e-learning brunch, your podcast for digitalization and learning. Hi, and welcome to another episode of e-learning brunch. I'm your podcast host, Kenneth Littlepage. E-learning brunch is our podcast where our mission is to edify or give you edification in e-learning. For this purpose, we've invited a guest uh, onto the show, and today's guest is David Patterson. So welcome, David, to our podcast. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Great, great. So uh, today's topic is going to be how to find and select the right LMS for your e-learning needs. So um, in order to get to that, we'll of course have to get a little bit, uh, first step will be to get to know you, David. So uh, in that case, um, my first question is, uh, what was your first contact uh, to e-learning and what fascinates you about the topic? Okay. Um, I guess going back into the 1990s, I was responsible for, for, for rolling out a training program, quite a large training program, teaching people how to use a new point of sale system and the uh, associated stock replenishment system. And we were training people to use computers uh, in black and white workbooks. And I started to think, there's something wrong with this. We should be training people to actually learn using computers in the organization. So that was my my initial interest. I guess that was the mid-90s. I went back to university in 1999 and took a master's in information systems. But the, the, uh, the department had a real, real interest in e-learning or technology-enhanced learning, as they called it. Uh, and I joined that little research group and I got even more interested in um, how technology can enable learning e-learning, learning management systems. I actually became a tutor um, for the University of Sheffield and used WebCT, um, which is now um, Blackboard. So I was a part-time ah, tutor okay. um, in 19, no, 2000 to 2005. So that's when I started getting my hands dirty on, on, on learning management systems, I guess. <laughs> okay, cool. That sounds like a real nice journey. So, um, then we'll speak. We'll, we'll, we're now caught up on your history, so to say. So uh, let's move on to um, what you currently do. So describe what you currently do um, and the company you work with, which um, is Learning Light, correct? That's right. That's right. Learning Light dates back to 2005. Um, I was the first employee. We're based in Sheffield in the UK, which is a, a cluster of e-learning companies. And the business was set up really um, to promote the use of e-learning and learning technologies in the workplace. Uh, and we still do that. And that's what I do uh, for a living. I advise organizations in, in, in selecting and procuring e-learning and learning technologies. And I would guess about 75% um, of my work is done around learning management systems, advising organizations um, how to specify their requirements, thought processes they should go through um, to uh, select, implement uh, a learning management system. So that's what um, Learning Light does. We provide an awful lot of information about learning management systems on our website. Um, people can go and, and, and look at our views. Uh, we review lots and lots of different pieces of learning technologies. Again, predominantly learning management systems. Um, so I go and engage with, with clients. Um, I do a lot of listening, actually, to try and understand what they want. What they so you first have to understand their processes, which which actually is, is, is a good 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 point because that's the basis of our, of our podcast. So um, 
So from your experience, what are the needs of HR or L&D department wanting to install an LMS? What, what have you observed there or what are, let's say, three of the key needs you've been able to identify? Sure. I mean, that's a really good question. And I think my first response to you there, Kenny, would be it's, it's not just HR and L&D departments anymore that want uh, learning management systems. Um, I, think, I think it's spreading out. I'm seeing a lot more organizations embarking upon a digital transformation of which mm -hmm. HR or L&D are part of. So they're thinking much, much wider than, than just narrow learning and development. Um, so the LMS is, 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 is changing uh, in direction. I think the key thing that, that, that people want... So, no, go ahead. Uh, so, so expanding on that, that that's an interesting point because that I haven't... That, part of the, the, the podcast where basically uh, I've been introduced to that part. Uh, my focus is mainly usually when I talk about uh, learning management systems and so forth and so on, um, it's the focus has been relatively narrow. Mm. Like I described in the question, basically uh, focused on H&R and uh, learning and development departments. So how, um, how has this expanded? Um, or let me actually, actually let's hook that up to the second, second question because let's, Still answer the first question, narrow it down to H&R and um, L&D departments, mm -hmm. so what their needs are, and then we'll expand on that experience that you've basically just introduced into the topic. Okay, okay. So I think to, to, to answer your question directly, I think there's three things. Um, as you suggested, I think learner engagement and learner efficacy, they go hand in hand. Uh, people are wanting to see more from that just rather than just completions. I think the UI and the UX are becoming more and more important, um, that the LMS is visually very appealing. It is available both on desktop uh, and mobile and can move between both quite seamlessly. And I think organizations, including L&D and HR, are wanting to see much more in the way of integrations. And they're wanting the LMS to be integral in the organization's tech stack. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. That's, I can work with that. That's, I think that's pretty much a clear answer. So let's then expand on that when you said that it's not only uh, H&R and uh, the learning and development departments, but the other departments are becoming increased or uh, showing increased interest in, uh, in uh, LMS systems. Yeah. So where, where do you see that? What we're seeing, I think, is the digital transformation agenda and learning is for many organizations now, by what I'm seeing, is becoming a revenue line. It is about giving them competitive advantage in the marketplace. Um, mm -hmm. And they are wanting to use learning to enhance their credentials in their eyes of customers and in the eyes of potential customers. So I think we're seeing quite a big sea change there. Um, and many organizations now are wanting new learning modalities. They're wanting to move to virtual ILT. I think mm -hmm. COVID-19 has had quite a lot to do with that. Um, mm -hmm. And there is an increasing hunger for data that comes back from learning as well. Um, so I think those are other big, big drivers. Okay. Okay. That, yeah, that's, I, I would have to say I, I made the, uh, in my journey here through my various podcasts, um, one of the topics that I also uh, covered is uh, virtual reality in uh, in e-learning, and uh, there I met up with a colleague, 
and he introduced me to actually the use of of a of a, uh, of a 3D you know Oculus Rift uh, um, uh, virtual reality uh, pair glasses or uh, headset, and that was really really interesting. Although I have to say, um, learning in a true in this case, a true virtual environment, which which this was. So basically, uh, what it represented was a, a course room, and uh, you know you could interact in the course room and so forth and so on. That was that was pretty crazy. Uh, and I have to say, um, it's something that's new, uh, and I. I still think that we're a little far away from actually realizing a complete uh, learning module in a virtual reality environment. I think virtual reality has been coming. Um, mm -hmm. I think it will continue to evolve. I think it will get better and better. Excuse me. And some of the learning experiences um, I've explored in virtual reality, particularly in high risk compliance training, mm -hmm. I took the course that involved repairing the mobile phone mast, for instance. Mm -hmm. And I actually suffered from vertigo when I was halfway up the mast. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'm not very proud of. Um, but yeah, I have to say, take this headset off, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can actually relate to that because it was, it was. Um, although I have to say, uh, it, as in the first time, the, the first time I used it, uh, it was somewhat disorienting. Um, but I think the more you use it, the better you can get a hang of it. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're never, you never know, you know, uh, if you're afflicted, if you're like in your case, if you're afflicted with vertigo, um, then, you know, that, that whole thing, you know, kind of crumbles on you there, but yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah. There's some great use cases emerging for, for VR. Uh, it will involve, um, it'll get better and better. Um, the, the hardware prices are coming down. I think it's good. I think there's a lot to look forward to there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, another thing that I, that I was wondering, um, from your experience are, uh, most of your customers first-time LMS buyers, or are they customers that are looking to switch from well, one LMS to another? Um, is there a tendency that you could describe there or see? Uh, at the minute, I've got a mix of both. I am mm -hmm. seeing more people wanting to switch um, than mm -hmm. I did. Um, so yes, people are wanting to move from legacy uh, LMS to much, much more um, capable LMS with a big focus on the UI and the UX, uh, mm -hmm. mobile delivery um, becoming much more important to a lot of organizations. But surprisingly, there's still companies um, that are new to learning management systems as well. So I, I'm, I'm seeing both. Five years ago, it would be largely new. Um, now, uh, um, more people are looking at um, new and exciting uh, replacements uh, as well. Mm -hmm. So that that actually kind of uh, um, kind of ties in real nicely because you said um, one of the questions that I was also going to ask was basically if most of the customers are seeking complex solutions or simple solutions. Um, however, that is probably now listening to you a loaded question because um, uh, judging from the requirements, I guess it would. Uh, one could say a complex solution, but it should be simple in its application. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's a very, <laughs> very, very astute comment and way to look at that. Yes, um, I think I had to revise my question on the fly there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you're, you're absolutely right in what you say. People want um, greater sophistication, um, but they want simplicity. And I come back to this importance of the UI and the UX for both the learner and the administrator, where where things are getting interesting and complex are the workflows and the data that's being captured at the end of it, and and the learning modalities. That can be delivered, such as such as virtual reality and 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 the XAPI learning statements and uh, other other things that really are giving the richness now. But the learning experience has to be core, and the learner really really has to have a good um, experience, and that has to be very simple and very elegant and very effective uh, for the mm -hmm. learner. Um, because we've always suffered as an industry from an engagement problem with learning technologies. But I think um, now that is definitely correct. But yeah, that that's a question that I. That 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 uh, or a point of discussion that that's that'll come a little later uh, um, in our podcast here. But uh, the other the other thing that I wanted to uh, find out from you is: Have you seen an increase um, of uh, of customers due to Corona? Um, I did a little research and I wasn't able to actually uh, pinpoint an increase uh, of uh, of like a like a spike in uh, the purchase or requests of uh, e-learning systems, but um, the general market trend uh, currently. Um, of course, whatever statistic you look up, that you know everybody has a different statistic, but most of them showed a, a significant increase. So currently, the LMS market sits around uh, 8.7 billion dollars uh, for I think 2019 it was, and it's projected to go up to about uh, 38.1 billion dollars uh, by 2027. So, um, have you now specifically? during Corona seen an increase? I think so, yes. I think there's a spike. Um, I think there was, um, the, the, during the first lockdown in terms of March um, 2020, get it right, David, um, things froze. Um, and vendors I spoke to said, you know, things went, went, went a little quiet. Um, mm -hmm. Most of their loss then has been recovered, and now um, vendors I speak to are in positive territory. And the other thing I think is really, really interesting is some of my clients who um, procured LMSs with me over, over the previous years, I kind of keep in touch. I said, I bet you you've got some users now. <laughs> 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 well, I guess I guess the, the 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 it's it's kind of um, what has it has increased this. Uh, you know, we always like to say the digital transformation mm -hmm. or the age of digital transformation, um, and I would definitely say that um, Corona has brought an increased awareness. Yeah to the need uh, simply um, by um, having people shift from uh, being able to be in the office to being uh, having to work from home. Uh, so that has uh, is an indicator for me. Um, yeah. I believe our company also has been able to, you know, uh, see an increase in that. So um, I do think that Corona has uh, kind of like mobilized or uh, acted as a catalyst for the market. Sure, I think um, it's, I think it's accelerated the market by about five years. That's where I would see it. Ooh, okay, um, that's 
Interesting figure. Okay. Yeah, and I think that, that, that one. <laughs> that, that I think comes from the Economist, Kenny, uh, which, which, which I subscribe to and, and read avidly every week. Uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, you know, uh, homeworking is accelerated, but it's not just homeworking. I think it's also organisations keeping in touch with their clients. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about Zoom calls. It's actually providing something useful to their clients as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think learning, you know, is, is, is a route to competitive advantage for many organizations that are, are prepared to grasp it. Um, so I think, um, I think you know, as, as an industry, um, and judging by investor interest in, in this mm-hmm. industry as well, um, I think you're right in what you're saying, that the market numbers are going to grow. And I think your projection um, that you discovered is, 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 is pretty solid and pretty accurate. Well, let's hope. Let's hope it's not. It's it's accelerated and sustainable. That's yeah. that's the thing that I'm uh, that I would be a little bit concerned about. Although I couldn't picture it as not being sustainable. I, I would, like I said, uh, I would see concur with you on that. That there's an acceleration because uh, uh, companies have now become more aware uh, of their needs um, and uh, the needs of their learners um, and. Basically, the digital transformation has to take place for, yeah, for a lot sure, of companies. Sure. I don't think we'll go backwards. I mean, people will want to go to work and we will see some face-to-face training emerge. But Oh, I my think... God. Do I, I want to go back to work. Yeah. I mean, I am working now, but I, <laughs> I, I really – <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm I'm in I've, – I've, I spent too much of my, of my work life basically um, going to work. Uh, so I have to say for my part, uh, I enjoy – being at work as much as you can enjoy being at work, yeah. uh, but I, I do uh, enjoy the interaction, uh, you know, with 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 colleagues, with customers, um, and for personally, I would say as a work life balance thing, I also think um, it also creates a little um, more separation for me personally. Sure, uh, sure. Because you have that, uh, you know, office and you have home and. Yeah. Um, then you don't have to mix the two. Uh, for a while, when we're on lockdown, uh, I was getting really, uh, it, it was turning to be really strange because you get up and you go into your office and uh, then, you know, you step out of your office and you're at home and you step back into your office, you're at home, your office home. And there's never, there was, it kind of started mingling, uh, you know, one day after another, uh, you know, came into like a, um, what's that movie again? Uh, um uh, Groundhog Day. Have you seen oh, right. the movie? Yeah, <laughs> where the day repeats every every day. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that yeah. was kind of strange. But um, I, I think I think our working lives and our learning lives have become a lot more flexible now. Um, yes, going, going forward. Um, and I think the genie's out of the bottle. People can actually see what learning technologies can do. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I don't think productivity, by what I can read, has has suffered from people working remotely, working from home. People probably want the flexibility to do both now, and I think that's great. I, I would tend to agree. I would say that uh, that was one of the, I think, one of the biggest fears uh, from most companies, uh, you know, including uh, our company, was that uh, productivity and efficacy would drop off. But uh, there hasn't been really any. Uh, telltale signs of that so um everybody is i think uh, more than uh a little bit surprised um but very happy with the outcome yeah <laughs> yeah. To say. yeah yeah okay so we've looked at basically the needs of hr and learning departments but what 
have you observed in terms of the needs and expectations of learners on an LMS? Uh, are the learners actually even aware of of the LMS uh, and and its function? Because I mean, <laughs> you said part, part part of your activity was, you know, of course, you have a customer or client that comes to you and says, you know, we want to implement an LMS, blah, 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 blah. But um, I found that in a couple of discussions I had, sometimes the the learners are... Um, you know, it's, it's when all the experts talk about something, you're an expert on learning. I'm an expert on learning. Not really, but, um, but then, you know, it's, it's at that level, but sometimes we then forget those people that are actually, I think, I think that one's affected. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I make it an absolute, uh, point and purpose of my engagement is to represent the learner. And because mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, they are they are core to what you're trying to uh, trying to um, achieve in terms of helping them do their job better, giving them better job satisfaction, and then as a result, the company actually improves its performance. So you know you've got to get that win-win. So you really mm-hmm. do have to engage. So it is really really important to listen to the learners. So I had a I had a large client. Um, large large charity very well known charity here in the uk and i and my colleague we interviewed learners across their organization um, to understand mm-hmm. their needs and requirements um and you know i absolutely believe in doing that and it's great to listen to the learners you know many of the people were a little scared of technology but if they feel mm-hmm. that they are in some ways being recognized and their requirements being noted when this solution is implemented you're going to get such a such an improved result because you have the local champions there in that in that part of the organization so oh yeah 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 this is really good you should mm-hmm. use this um so yeah you have to um um ensure that the learner as well as all the other stakeholders in the organization are consulted with and listened with and it's, it's so important do the learners know what the lms does i think they have a foreground awareness of what is going on mm-hmm. um, and i think lms are getting so much better in providing choice and support um, really really efficient and effective search so you can help people do their job better as opposed to just just pushing content at people and saying you must take this course you must do this so getting that balance between sort of you know uh, what what the organization needs and what the learner needs is key and a well-designed lms that sits there in the tech stack is engaging is it effective obviously producing good content um people will just come to see it as part of the part of the day-to-day so the foreground value will be there the background awareness well they probably don't need to worry about that <laughs> it's 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 making good recommendations to them hey you took this course maybe you should look at this you know so it's it's their friend and if mm-hmm. that can be achieved then then the whole thing's going to work okay um well now let me let me get to um i had uh, uh, in a previous podcast with uh, um david james i had uh, we came up to he had a really interesting assertion um and and we talked about this so i'd like to get your uh, input on this too so we've we've covered the basically the hr and the learning department the, the company itself we've looked at the learner so uh, you said basically when analyzing uh you do not only a top down but also bottom up analysis of everything um and the quite the the point of discussion uh that we had though was that 
the implementation of an LMS in itself does not guarantee an increase uh, of employee performance. That's absolutely the case. Yeah, I would agree. You absolutely agree. Okay, yeah. that, that was kind of too short for an answer. So we'll, we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to build on that a little bit. So just, just implementing the LMS is, is uh, and making it available is is the beginning of the journey. It's by no means the end of the journey, and there is a journey that the organisation has to go on. Have but have you seen that? In is that um, is it something that companies that come to you are uh, already aware of, uh, or is it sometimes uh, you know kind of like with blindfolds? The ex, it, you know, um, sometimes we have when we discuss topics or or, or thinking about topics, we have an, a certain assumption base. So um, and sometimes uh, we assume that discussing on a certain topic that the other party automatically uh, is on the same level. And in this case, the assumption um, from most uh, uh, companies or, uh, or clients is that um, I need an LMS, I'm going to implement the LMS, and once, I, once it's implemented, uh, um, uh, performance will increase. Mm-hmm. End of statement. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you see a certain um, education factor that, that needs to be involved there? Sure. Are most... Sure. Are, are the companies, do they, do they need that? Yeah, that's basically the question. Do they need, uh, have you, do most companies that come to you already have that factor built in? Or would you say there's a still large portion of those that, you know, simply go, okay, we need this and then let's go. Yeah. I mean, many organizations have many different um, needed requirements um, mm-hmm. from their LMS. Some that already have an LMS will recognize that there are failings there that are actually mitigating against its usage um, mm-hmm. in that um, the, the, the the platform um, gives a very, very poor UI and UX, for instance. People have tried to use it and have come away disillusioned. Um, mm-hmm. with, with the provision and they're seeking to overcome that problem by migrating to a new LMS and the organization is obviously bought into what the what the LMS can do for the organization but they've obviously failed to get the get the learner to buy in to this modern way of learning mm-hmm. um, and I think it is about as we discussed a few minutes ago around engaging with um, employees in the organization to understand their wants and needs Um, and if they believe they are being listened to and their requirements being taken account of you you you, you're putting a good firm foundation there because when that day arrives when a new LMS is going to be rolling out you're going Mm -hmm. to actually uh, have allies on your side and influencers in the organization and in many ways it's a marketing exercise within the organization Um, and you have what i call the balance and the bargain Um, Ah, interesting term (laughs) Uh, okay i'm I'm curious for you to expand on that now okay so to make the the platform um, work you you have to have a delicate balance between the the learners needs and requirements and the organization's needs and requirements mm-hmm. so you're actually creating a, 
a point of balance and there's a bargain on both sides of that for, mm -hmm. for, for the learner they need to feel that they have a degree of control they have a degree of choice but what i feel is too often missing when learning programs are started to uh, be pushed out in the organization is feedback and encouragement from from line managers in particular and recognition so as mm -hmm. the learner on the one hand feels they have control and they have direction and this learning at the point of need they want that that support and recognition and feedback that they are being noticed for actually um, embarking upon a learning journey or using the system and too often that side of the equation of the balance is is is, is missing um, so i think that is so important um, the, the, the bargain side of things is that the learner actually improves their performance, their job satisfaction improves, and the organization benefits as a result. So those are kind of the two sides of, of my, my argument, the balance and the bargain. Okay, I think I think that's very very well very descriptive. Um, so uh, I think our, our listeners will uh, have to listen to the show again to, to pick up on all the information that, that you've uh, passed on so far. But in in the next the next question that I have that comes to mind um, from this discussion that we've had is. Um, in a step before, so before deciding, to, this is probably um, for all those people listening to the podcast, before deciding to implement an LMS, what three critical questions should customers ask themselves? There should, what th three things, would it be nice? I mean, uh, of course, when they come to you, you of course take over that activity. Um, but uh, can you imagine three things that, that an organization or a customer should do uh, that they should critically ask themselves before they come to you or before they uh, want to implement an LMS? Mm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think the organizations, you know, different organizations come at this from, from different perspectives, really. Um, mm -hmm. Is this an internal project to improve the performance of my, 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 my team? Um, my employees, or is this you reaching out into the market in terms of an extended enterprise model, which I think we've touched on, um, mm -hmm. on, on the other side of things. Um, so in many cases, there has to be a business imperative. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. What is that we are seeking to change? What is the problem we're seeking to change? Or what is the opportunity we need to address? Organizations, pretty much every organization, doesn't buy good practice, it buys performance. So in mm -hmm. some ways, the organization has to then think through what are the performances, what are the changes we are looking to see in our organization um, from the way that we go about doing things. Um, so I guess those are two. <laughs> um, Wait a minute, I, I got one, I got one. So the, uh, from... Um, uh, I missed one then because uh, I, uh, the first one that I had is is be aware of what you want to change or what you what outcome you're looking for. Yeah, so I think that I, I think that's I think that's that's so important, Kenny. Is to you know why are we doing this? What do we want to change? We're not just doing this because it's good practice to do this. Mm -hmm. We actually want to change the organization's performance in some ways. 
Um, too often, history tells us that organizations have embarked upon e-learning and, and learning technology to save money. I don't see much of that going on at this moment in time. I have to say people are getting this, that they actually are going to change how they do business, either going to improve their, you know, their employees' performance or they're going to give themselves competitive advantage in the market. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of thought has to be put into into that how they're going to measure that and what that success is going to look like is also going to be quite important because modern lms now can produce an awful lot of data uh, mm -hmm. and knowing how you're going to measure your success is important um, and and how are you going to integrate um, the lms into the day-to-day -day, i think will be my third one so you know business case how you measure it and how you actually make it happen um, in the day-to-day Okay. Okay. I think those are three good things that, uh, that our listeners can work with. So um, with our final question or the final uh, point will be then um, to briefly look at uh, the greatest potential development for LMSs. Where, where do you see that? Um, I, I did a little research internally and um, uh, the three areas that, that, that we seem to be moving in as a company um, also address topics that you've mentioned several times and that basically is um learner motivation whoops learner motivation and in essence engaging the learner mm -hmm. uh, is a core uh, a core requirement of an lms and we're um both we and i i guess other competitors also uh constantly strive to um make the product or make the platform more engaging um the other thing that, that we're working on is uh, scalability of the platform to fit the organizational's uh, the organization's processes. Yeah, um, I think that's a relative one that that you didn't quite that you didn't really mention in what you said directly, but um, I would still put that in there somewhere uh, under the broader strokes of what we talked about. And the third one is analytics, and that is basically. Um, and that ties into um, your three critical questions, uh, basically being able to better evaluate the content that you have and uh, being uh, able to actually measure the effect of your content. Is, sure. your, is the content that you're transporting or, or your, the mission of your LMS, is it actually succeeding? And that measurability, I think, uh, is both for the company and the learner, um, a very important uh, item. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of those. And I think you're right to highlight that alignment to, to, to the organization. Uh, and LMS can do that now so very, very well, just in terms of mapping the organization's hierarchies, integrating with their workflows, learning at the moment of need. So yeah, I think you make a great point there. Um, and to me, um, to, to answer your question, you know, the LMS is going to be in, in one way or another, as I think you alluded to earlier, in many ways, it is going to almost disappear into the background. It will have a foreground presence when it provides a piece of learning, but that could well be it popping up in a completely different system saying, hey, um, I can see you're struggling with this. Um, mm -hmm. Here is a piece of learning that you may well uh, find useful. And we're going to see a lot more of that in terms of that smart AI rendering learning at a moment of need. So this I, is not going to go the direction of the paperclip, though, is it? With, I, with sincerely, I sincerely <laughs> hope not. 
<laughs> but but you would envision so basically interesting point because uh, i haven't i haven't heard so your your vision uh would be to have a more seamless integration um actually maybe this is something i picked up uh, a more seamless uh oh, well, i'm getting ahead of myself okay it's something that i picked up in other conversations but something that i think would apply to what you said so um and you've also said in the podcast, so a more seamless integration um, with other software that the company is using to the point where that the learner doesn't really realize at which point he is being, he's going into a learning modus, sure. so to say. So um, it's it's kind of providing information on a, uh, on a, uh, on a, not need to know basis on a um, uh, how should I say uh, uh, information providing information when it's needed uh, rather than you know I have to sign up for a course I have to do this and all this uh, yeah. so kind of like an unexpected learning yeah I don't think you know signing up for courses is going to go away I still think there's relevance and value to that but I think there's another value um, you know another learning value chain in the organization that is at the moment of need and I have mm -hmm. a horrible horrible you know, way of thinking in terms of learning value chains uh, and, and, and virtual value chains. And obviously Michael Porter's value chain, you know, being the grandfather of all of, 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 of them all. So I, th I see learning value chains in the organization and rendering solutions at a moment of need, I think is, is going to be one of the things that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, and, you know, the, the, those projects are taking place. Um, I've, I've seen a couple of them now. Um, and I think there will be kind of the, the emergence of, 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 of sharing knowledge and sharing ideas um, and, and creating these great learning tomes in organizations. And a guy called Ravi Calacotta wrote about this, you know, mm -hmm. turn, of the, turn of the century um, mm -hmm. in terms of the new organizational architectures as we somehow seek to capture um, tacit knowledge and experience and make it discoverable, um, mm -hmm. be that held by the individual or by um you know points of learning or advice or guidance that individuals have produced and people have been playing with sharepoint for years trying to do that mm -hmm. but i genuinely think the technology is emerging that we can do that um, as well so we may well see that merging of of, of, of learning uh, and knowledge and sharing um, mm -hmm. come come along as well so i think it's really stuff. really exciting developments coming um, okay. touched on VR, I think AI uh, and this this kind of ability to index and discover knowledge, um, I think it's going to be really, really important as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, I think for all our listeners, I think you've answered most of the questions uh, uh, that I have. And I think uh, uh, it was very informative uh, for me personally, it was. So um, I'd like to say thank you very much for that part. My pleasure. <laughs> um, now, now we get to, to the little uh, crazy part in, in our podcast. After yeah. all, our, my, my podcast is called, um, or the podcast is called uh, uh, E-Learning Brunch. So um, my question always uh, is, um, uh, can you cook? Do you cook? And um, uh, if you do cook, what is your go-to recipe? Okay, okay. Uh, so this is the indigestion stage. Yes, exactly. 
<laughs> okay. Um, can I cook? Well, yes, to a fashion. Do I enjoy cooking? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm not a cordon bleu. Um, sure, but there's, there's nothing more fun on a, on a winter sort of uh, a winter Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon to have a have a mess around in the kitchen. And what I would like to offer is is is, is my, um, my 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 signature dish is chicken with chicken with apple. And it's kind of chicken with apple. Okay, that sounds good. It's kind of a stew. Basically, okay. Make and you need one chicken breast and one apple uh, per person. Mm -hmm. uh, gently, sort of fry off the, the the chicken breast, and as you're frying it off, chop it up. Plenty of olive oil and garlic, so you can get some some flavour into that. And when they're nicely sealed, um, just core the apple and, and and quarter it or sixth it, depending how big the apple is, uh, and lob that in, um, and just gently warm that through. Then a stock. A chicken stock or a vegetable stock, and kind of kind of herbs and spices that you've got lying around. Um, mm -hmm. Tarragon uh, is is a, is a good one. So the dish is well covered, and you want to keep it keep it kind of kind of wet. Mm -hmm. So a nice tight fitting lid. Um, shove it in the oven for maybe forty minutes to an hour, um, and then as it's just about finished, uh, about two fifty ml of fresh cream will just um, give it that sort of luscious um, taste. Um, keep it keep it warm for another few more minutes and serve it with, with, with nice crusty um, bread. Uh, so you can dip up all that liquid and you get the soft apple and the nice chicken and it's just great. Okay, David, in any case, if it, it, let me tell you this. Should for some reason your career as as a uh, e-learning expert not work, you might want to go into the, the idea of describing dishes or, or a TV um, uh, cook show host because that was probably one of the coolest descriptions of any dish that's been prepared that I've heard. Uh, at least you use so many nice ad uh, uh, um, adjectives that um, uh, I think especially the, the luscious was the one that you used. Uh, you got me. Uh. <laughs> if, you, if you need me to write that down for you, um, Penny. I think I would uh, just so I can post it for for our listeners to listen to. Um, really happy to do that. It's the only way that, I do. <laughs> that, that, that would be fantastic because uh, I, I'm certainly going to try that. I think that's even something that I could serve my wife, uh, which I would probably have relative success in preparing. That's not um, <laughs> and that's that's my main focus. It's not hard. Um, it has a simple UI UX to use. Uh, it's intuitive, and um, I think, uh, uh, as you mentioned, it's also scalable. So uh, I think it matches all our criteria for our LMS <laughs> that we discussed. Uh, so we have a very nice crossover between LMS and cooking here. Um, but yes, I would be. Very, very thankful if you did send me that recipe. And um, uh, what I'll do is I'll cook it and I'll provide you a picture of, of, of me cooking it. And uh, uh, I'll give you the input from my wife um, uh, if she survived my cooking first yeah. and uh, second, then how it tasted. So, sure. okay. So final question. Okay. And then, then I'll let you go and then we'll complete this podcast. And that is, uh, the final question is, uh, this is something that I picked up uh, in my last podcast and I thought that was really nice um, for all the uh, e-learning aficionados out there. Do you have a book or an article um, about e-learning that you would recommend? Okay. Um, it's a really good book within which there is an article and the book is called Competing with Information. 
And mm -hmm. the author of that is a guy called Donald Marchand. Uh, and that was published in 2000, and it was kind of my go-to book uh, as part of my master's. Um, mm -hmm. And within that book, there's a, an article by a professor, Xavier Gilbert, uh, forgive my French, because uh, he's Swiss. Um, it's okay, you're English, that's, that's perfectly okay. okay. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and it's called From Information to Knowledge, How Managers Learn. Uh, okay. And it talks about designing a learning architecture uh, to build a learning organization. And it's not just about a technology, but one of the strands, you know, I was reading this in, in, in 2000, you think, yeah, this is, this is what the LMS needs to do. So it does come mm -hmm. from an information systems perspective. I can send you the link um, so you can, you can find that as well. But that it is such perfect. a good article and he has a really, really good framework that is quite easy to follow for any organization, you know, wanting to create this mythical beast of the learning organization. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing that you said, from when is the article? 2000. 2000. So, I mean, we're talking about an article that's, that's 20 years yep. old now? 20 years old. And and uh, that still carries uh, relevance and, and, the, the, and the, the base construct of the whole thing is still applicable today. That's fantastic. The I mean, base that's, construct that's is perfect. Amazing. The base construct is perfect for today. And our technology has accelerated so much in 20 years, you know, to achieve it now is, mm -hmm. is, 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 is relatively easy. Um, I'll, 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 I'll take a picture of his table and we'll breach copyright and I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you or I'll scan it or something, Kenny, mm -hmm. and send it to you. Just have a look, see what, I, what, what you think. Uh, Interesting. Okay, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. Thank you very much. So we'll post the link um, in, in, uh, in our uh, information site or basically uh, on, our, uh, on the podcast. Sure. Um, and then uh, our gentle listeners can then go there and uh, listen. So that's all the time we have for today. I think we've once again little expanded the time, but we had a short uh, technical difficulty. So um, we'll see if we can cut that out or Please. if that will be in there. <laughs> so uh, then again, thanks again to my interview partner, David Patterson. To all our listeners out there, uh, if you like the podcast, please smash the like button. Or if you have any comments, please let me know. Um, I'll also provide you the links to David in case you have more detailed questions or need some more awesome edification on the topics of e-learning. I think David is, a, as you've heard, a very knowledgeable person and uh, very eloquent. Um, and uh, maybe you can even bring out a recipe, another one out of them. So I think it's a win, 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 win for you if you do contact him. And uh, as always, that and other information can be found under hashtag eLearningBrunch. The next podcast will be on the 9th of March. So be part of the eLearning revolution and empower yourself with knowledge. Listen to eLearning Brunch. Thank you very much.